0: The mountains are calling. Let's escape the noise. This is episode 41 of the Just Trek Podcast. Welcome to the Just Trek Podcast, where elevation is our recreation. This is your host, Justin Just Rock Ramon, coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from inspirational hikers, explorers, weekend warriors, to even creatives in the LA community and beyond. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to true north. We aim to inspire, motivate, and elevate you to a higher state of well being. You can follow us on Instagram at just.trek, facebookcom justtrekofficial, and our website justtrek.net. Just Trek Crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock. On this episode, my special guest goes by the name Mary Forgione. She is a LA-based trekker, outdoor adventurer, travel and outdoor writer, editor of the Angeles Chapter of the Sierra Club, lead journalist and blogger for the LA Times, editor of the Wild newsletter, and is a major advocate for promoting the SoCal great outdoors. We chat about why L.A. is one of the greatest hiking cities in the U.S., how Griffith Park sparked her journey, her top three hikes in L.A., the launch of the L.A. Times The Wild Newsletter, the 24-page Go Hiking in L.A. Comprehensive Guide, her recent Mount Whitney Summit, and tips and advice focusing on outdoor safety. We even talk about what makes the SoCal Outdoors special from the rest of the country and the one outdoor experience she would relive all over again. Mary is constantly inspiring her fellow Angelenos to get off their couch and explore everything the LA Great Outdoors has to offer. Mary is such a beautiful soul, full of life and adventure, and her love for the great outdoors is absolutely infectious. Here's our conversation, and I hope you enjoyed this very special episode. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to let you know that the Just Trek merch store is officially live right now. If you would like to support my podcast journey and represent Just Trek on your adventures, please make sure to check out justtrek.net slash shop. That is J U S T T R E K dot N E T slash shop. We currently have new merch available for purchase. I appreciate you all so much, and now let's get back to the show. What is going on, everyone? We have such an incredible guest joining us on the show today. Not only is she quite the outdoor adventurer and hiker, but she is one of the leading journalists for traveling the outdoors of the LA Times. Yes, you heard that right. And without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Mary Forgione. Justin, thank you so much. What a
1: kind introduction and I love how you pronounce my name.
0: Yeah, I was so worried I was gonna butcher it. I was like, oh no, not in the beginning of the podcast. Perfect. So that's an Italian last name, correct? It is,
1: it is indeed,
0: yep. I love that. I actually studied abroad in Italy for three months.
1: Oh, sweet. Yes, um, all four of my grandparents came from Italy. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. And I know the outdoor scene out there is just so spectacular.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So I just wanted to mention, it's such an honor to have you on the show. Big fan of your work and all the outdoor and hiking pieces you have written. And you wrote something, I can't remember exactly which piece, that just really resonated with me. And it was something all along the lines of, in one of your articles, you said that LA's greatest treasure is hidden in plain sight. That is
1: That is absolutely true. So when I came to L.A. like four decades ago, I had no idea what the terrain was like. Everybody talks about the beaches. Everybody talks about Disneyland. And I just feel like L.A. is one of the greatest hiking cities in the U.S. hidden in plain sight. Um, It's something most people don't know. We're surrounded by mountains on one side, the coast, beaches, uh, the desert. All places where you can go and explore the outdoors. I mean, it really doesn't get better than that. We're, we're a little bit like Colorado with the beach. So you can do coastal exploring. You can, you know, we have uh, some 14ers up in the Sierra, about three yes. hours north of us. So it's just this wonderful hiking area.
0: Yeah, when you, just the way you worded it, like greatest treasure hidden in plain sight. I was like, oh my God, Mary hit it hit the nail on the head because we're at the beach, right? And then we see the mountains in the distance. We're in downtown, we see the mountains in the distance, but it doesn't fully process. It's like we got to unlock a code inside of us to realize it's there.
1: Absolutely. And I also think that's why, um, I don't know about you, but when I'm on the trail, I almost instantly bond with people when I'm on a peak and we're all like, whoa, this is so cool. This is so badass. Because we've made that shared discovery together. Whether you're, you know, in Griffith Park or out at Mount Baldy or up on Mount Whitney, you have this shared experience of, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I found the secret. We're both here. You know, let's high five.
0: There's something so special about sharing moments like that on a mountain peak or on a trail. And you know what I think is so beautiful about, especially if you just meet people on the trail or you're maybe you're in a group or whatever the setting is, it's like, You can just connect with people as people. That is absolutely, you know, that really is one of the things that I love
1: about this. I mean, most of my friends, my social network are hikers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead of going to dinner or go out to coffee, I'm like, you know, when we want to catch up, I'm like, hey, let's go meet in the park or hey, let's go meet on, you know, coastal trail. And that's Mm kind of how we catch up. I totally agree. There's this, uh, we're almost like this little underground community in LA. When mm-hmm. people discover it, they can become very passionate and very obsessive. I can say I'm one of those people. Uh, but yeah, it just becomes this, you know, great lifestyle habit, great way to meet people, great way to just get out of your house, get out of your head, and you know, escape the free waves for a while.
0: Oh, absolutely. Perfect way to escape the noise. And it's in plain sight. And I love what you said. You said that LA is one of the greatest hiking cities in the US. And that's like not something that many people would have the thought of when they think of Los Angeles, right?
1: That's exactly right. And that's why I also love writing about travel. Um, That's why, oh man, if you're visiting from somewhere else, I know that when I travel, I always want to get in a good hike or the definitive hike of whatever area I'm visiting and then doing whatever I'm doing, be it a wedding or visiting friends. Um, I want visitors to also know, hey,
0: yes.
1: LA's hiking trails are here, not very hard to get to. I mean, every tourist who comes to LA likely rents a car. So you can get to Trailhead so easily, you know, within the city of LA, mm-hmm. outside of Pasadena and, and access these great forest areas.
0: Yes, so many places. And it's just like, I'm still like mind boggled that, so I moved from LA from the East coast, right? And it took me over in the East coast. uh, I moved
1: out from Manhattan. I'm
0: originally from Connecticut. Oh, wow. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland originally. Oh, how funny. Yeah, land of the crab cakes. Best crab cakes in the country. Um, What I was going to say is that when I moved out here in LA for college, like a long, long time ago, Uh, back in 2004 it took me 13 years mary to have the thought that oh can i hike up those mountains oh there's a mountain range there like it just absolutely blows my mind away still that it took so long you would have thought i would have thought that at like year six seven eight no it took me 13 years justin
1: and that's amazing because i know how much you love the mountains now
0: Yes. And how much
1: you're doing to promote that whole outdoors. Well, I was very lucky. I discovered it in my first year
0: here. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Lucky you. Indeed. Indeed. Wow. I also want to say uh, quickly thank you for featuring the holiday toy drive hike at Griffith Park that Just Trek was involved in, along with high hikers, and many other groups in the community. You know, we were just so ecstatic and elated. To see the event featured in the la times in the wild so massive shout outs to you
1: thank you so much i mean that's really what i want to do with this i call it a column i call it a newsletter Mm -hmm. is to really highlight and showcase everything you can do in the outdoors what people like you and other groups are already doing so you're welcome and i'm glad it was a
0: success yeah over 80 hiking over 80 hikers came out and then we donated is... over 500 total toys to the children LA hospital it was a moment that's fantastic I love this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you definitely played a hand with spreading the word like I can't tell you enough when people were like oh my god it got featured in the LA Times the wild like <sighs> they were speechless it was like the coolest thing just to see everyone's excitement it just created like a whole nother layer of buzz surrounding this like charitable cause and holiday toy drive like
1: I love that um, because the wild hasn't been around that long. We've been around about a year and a half, but my readers like you are mm-hmm. so loyal and so passionate about the same things I'm passionate. Oh my God, it's just like a love fest every time I send out my column.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's uh well, I know we're gonna talk about that more. You're, right. the content is just, it's so damn good. It's just that good. Like I've read a lot of other articles, other publications and other outdoor curation, but yours is just really top-notch in my opinion.
1: Justin, thank you so much. Um, I'm, my thing is every week I'm like, okay, I want to get every Angelino off their couch and out doing something, biking, swimming, outdoor volleyball, hiking, running, trail running. Yes, I just yes, yes. want people to kind of, you know, it's all in all of our interests to be more fit, but there's so much more. There's mental solace, there's beauty, there's exploration. I mean, there's yes. just so much here. And I'm always struck when people say, oh, I've never really, oh, the mountains, yeah, I've never really been. And, I, and some of them have lived here all their lives. And I'm like, listen, when you're ready to start, and you know, I usually start with a baby hike or something, I love taking people out. Because then you see it with
0: fresh eyes. Oh, absolutely! What's this baby hike? I'm curious. When you like first introduce them, would you say?
1: I almost always start in Griffith Park because yes. it's very accessible. It's very central, and I almost keep I always keep newbies on the big fire roads. Don't want to scare them off at those little single track steep trails, even though I love those. Um, we stay on the fire roads, and I always want a wow factor. So just about anywhere in Griffith Park, you go to Mount Lee, you go to Mount Hollywood, you've got these tremendous views. And they'll go, oh my God, you know, is that the Capitol Records building? Is that Hollywood yes. building? So we sit there, we pick out objects. So to me, that's kind of the entry. Um, it's a way that they can look at their city and also say, oh my God, I, I hiked all the way up here. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's such a great entry point into hiking because of the accessibility, the exactly. trails. And if you want to challenge yourself, you can connect all the different fire roads and go to different landmarks. Like, I didn't realize how blessed we were. I think it's like the largest, second largest urban park in the municipal,
1: U.S. Municipal park in the U.S., yes. And, okay, so when I'm trapped, meaning I, can't, I don't have time to go far oh my God, you could do miles and miles in Griffith Park. You could go down to the Bat Caves and out to Mount Lee and out to the East Side. You know, you can really, and you get good gains. So, you know, it works for the veteran hiker. It works for the newbie.
0: Great point. Yes, it's, uh, it's great for all level of hikers because you can push yourself if you want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into all your incredible work with the LA Times in the wild, I wanna learn more about your outdoor journey and dig deeper into that. So I want you to take us back, Mary. What was your first hiking memory? Oh, Justin,
1: this is funny. So I grew up in Connecticut, which was in a kind of semi-rural, and we lived on a lake. So I was, you know, I definitely had a childhood where I was immersed in nature and, you know, catching frogs and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of hiking, my hiking really started in the West. I think, I always tell people, to me, the West doesn't disappoint. The landscapes are very dramatic. Yes. Um, the, the habitat is very dramatic. It can be 90 degrees by day and it's 40 degrees at night. And I love the drama of it. Um, you can be in deep forest. You can be in a moonscape above tree lines. All of that just really appeals. So the way I got started was I came out to L.A. for Guy. It didn't last long, a couple of months, but my, <laughs> love, affair, but my love affair with L.A. endured. And there was this little, I was living in Silver Lake at the time, and there was like a throw, throwaway newspaper. And it said, oh, this weekend there's a hike. Sierra Club is leading, local chapter of Sierra Club was leading a hike in Griffith Park. I went on the hike. It was like nowhere I had ever been. It was so much wilder than, say, Central Park or anywhere I'd been in the East. Once again, we were getting these terrific views and we were doing some steep terrain. It was a full day hike and I just loved it. And they said, Oh, if you like these, you know, we lead hikes all over. And um, we lead night hikes in Griffith Park on Tuesday and Thursday nights. So I started doing that and I got totally hooked. Wow. Um, and at that time, it was kind of like people mostly hiked in groups. You wouldn't think of just saying to your friend, hey, let's go. Well, now we have trail apps and all kinds of stuff. But I would say I started um, with a group and it gave me the confidence. I kind of hung around with Sierra Club because I could go to all these places and then I would learn those routes, but not by myself. Right. Yes. I had these leaders who were trained. So that kind of really worked for me. And I remember calling my friends back east. They're like, how is it? And I'm like, oh, my God, I go hiking and I go hiking at night. And they're like, what? And I said, <laughs> it's nothing like Central Park. And they go, oh, come on, how crazy can it be? I'm like, dude, we see coyotes. There are owls in the trees. It's dark, you wow. could get lost up here. And they were just like kind of flabbergasted. And um, so that was the beginning of my, it just took off from there.
0: That's so cool that it was through the Sierra Club. And I, when I did more research on you, you were also a writer for the Sierra Club as well, correct? Indeed, I wrote for the local
1: chapter, the Angeles chapter, which actually nationwide, it's the most active what we call outings chapter. So you can go on the website and they have like, oh God, two, 300 hikes a month during the week, weekends, Excuse me, night hikes whenever you want to go. And again, that was my entryway. I felt most comfortable because I didn't know the terrain. I didn't know California. I was learning all this.
0: Wow. Two hundred so yeah. wow. Wait, two hundred to three hundred hikes a month? They have Yeah. So we lead a
1: lot of hikes. We lead like thousands of hikes a year. So as you can imagine. We have, uh, they're trained volunteer leaders and I would welcome anybody to sign up. It's free for um, leadership training. I mean, I think there might be like a $30 fee or something and you learn a lot and then you become a leader and there are certain rules we follow. We always have a sweep and whatnot, but yeah, you can go on easy beach hikes. You can go on really hard hikes. I uh, lead with what is called the Wilderness Adventure Section of Sierra Club and we do a seven summits hike. And that all summer long, the series runs All Are Welcome. Those are the seven summits you need to climb to get in shape for Mount Whitney. So the hikes start out in like April, May, and then by August, you've done like either San Gorgonio or San Bernardino Peak, and we do them as a group. Oh, wow, seven summits.
0: It's like kind it's of similar to the, the six sevens, pack, right? Six pack. of, yeah, of it, Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. And, you know, people can show up, and a lot of people do, and then go on to either hike Mount Whitney or somebody. And this is what I love about L.A. People are always training for something, right? They're either going to go do Kilimanjaro or they're getting ready for the PCT or the John mm-hmm. Muir Trail. So they come on the hikes to get the conditioning. And it's just a really good series. We're just starting to pick our peaks. Every year we vary the the peaks, which mm-hmm. peaks we do. So we're we're setting our schedule for... Summer of 2022.
0: Dude, that's so exciting. Yeah, we have so many great uh, major peaks to train and do like epic things oh. like Half Dome, Mount Whitney, go off to Kilimanjaro. Like we're a great like training center, right? For peak baggers.
1: It's true. And I have to tell you, I learned so much from people on the trail, right? And like if they say, oh, I'm doing Kilimanjaro or on my bucket list is, um, oh my God. The peak in, in Tokyo, Japan, help no, me Fu- out. Fuji. Fuji, Mount Fuji. That is like on my list um, right around the time COVID closed I was getting serious about it. Oh, and no, now no. Japan has not reopened. At any rate, you learn so much from people on the trail, right? I'm like, hey, what route did you do? What guides did you use? How many days? Oh, you went, you know, more days and it felt like a more fulfilling and, and you know it was easier to get up Keely rather than just, you know Taking the direct route. So I love it because A, I get to hear about other people's adventures. <clears throat> and that's how I learn oh, hey, I might call your guide or I might try it that way.
0: And from to go back, uh, your first hiking memory you mentioned really started in the West Coast for yourself, even though you were yes. immersed in nature back in Connecticut near a lake. So that first hiking memory of joining like the group hikes in Griffith Park led by the Sierra Club, yep. would you say that, that was also like, the specific moment or moments where you just began to have this like epiphany or strong realization that this hiking thing was going to become a major part of your identity moving forward or did that really happen at another point would you say justin you totally nailed it
1: because what that first hike did for me i know this sounds ridiculous but what it did for me was number one I i felt like oh my god i can do this like if you're not used to hiking And you start off on a trail and then you start like, oh, I don't know where I am. Oh, this feels kind of steep. You might just turn back and that's the end of your hiking experience for that day Mm -hmm. or maybe forever. But so number one, it totally gave me confidence. Number two, I didn't know anybody when I came to LA. So I was like meeting people on the hike, casual banter, the way we might meet people online now. Uh, And number three, and the most important part is, It gave me, uh, I, I suddenly realized, wow, number one, I want more of this, but it gave me a healthy respect for, I need to know where I'm going, I need to know how to do this safely So those are things that have stayed with me. But yeah, I knew from that first hike, oh my God. In fact, I remember I went on like two or three more hikes and I was like, there must be a way that you can like stay overnight. So then (laughs) I discovered backpacking and I I met a buddy, my friend Karen, and started my whole backpacking career. But that was also an epiphany like oh yes. my god i don't have to drive home at the end of the day this is awesome i get to stay out here
0: you can backpack on the the forest lot <laughs> in front of griffith park, and griffith park.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly how funny would that be i always i because i love griffith park so much i'm there like two three nights a week hiking um i always have this fantasy of like one night i'm just gonna stay overnight break the rules just you know grab my little sleeping bag and stay on my hollywood but that would be wrong because the park closes at 10. uh (laughs) but yeah it's pretty funny
0: the uh when you mentioned you're doing also in griffith park in your beginning journey night hikes like night hikes in griffith park are so spectacular because the city lights just illuminate in the distance it's really a spectacle Oh,
1: my God. So because I kind of started as a night hiker, I'm used to that whole world. When I take mm. other people, they're sometimes intimidated or they're like, Ugh, why would I want to go at night in the park? Like, I don't get it. So Griffith Park, and to me, that's probably the best night hiking experience, unless you're just really crazy about night hiking and want to have a headlamp and you know go off into the super dark because it has so much ambient light so what i love about it your eyes adjust and you don't need a headlamp though many people use them Uh, runners really do need headlamps but you really don't need a headlamp i like to go on full moon hikes in griffith park because you know it's like the lights are on and i also love seeing those views i just think it's really beautiful the city lit up you know it's kind of like being at the top of the empire state building at night and seeing all of new york well we get to see all of LA and it's really stunning and very different at night.
0: By the way, I'm so honored. I just caught um, the, the new wild article that came out. You uh, you inputted my recommendation of the full moon hike on Sandstone Peak. I was like, no way. I no gave way. you
1: a shout out, Justin, because that was an awesome experience. However, I hope you don't see tons of people there since you gave <laughs> me that tip. That
0: hey, the outdoors is for everyone, tip. right? That's
1: right. That was the pro tip. People who know what they're doing.
0: Oh yeah. Because you need that headlamp when you go on out there. Oh yeah. That is one dark place to get back from. Yes. Thank you for that inclusion. I was like, Oh my God, that's, that's love right there. Thank you for that (laughs) shout out. That definitely made my entire month. Merry Christmas. Oh wow. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right so I also wanted to touch upon something that we you know we're all universally still going through right and we're approaching like almost like 2 years in the pandemic it's been quite a roller coaster you know now we have variants like delta omicron and who who knows what's next right so I'm just really curious to know Mary like how have you been adjusting to life during the covid-19 pandemic and would also love to know you know, what did you turn to for a sense of comfort and normalcy during these times?
1: Oh, that is such a great question. Um, I think, I am not a medical expert, I think this is something that's here to stay, at least for a while. I think we're going to be wearing masks and worrying about contact and whatnot. Um, like every, well, like many people, I was lucky enough to be able to work from home. But I vividly remember calling a friend. I think Mayor said it was way in the beginning, said, you know, I want people in L.A. to stay in for the month of April. And, you know, we're not going to go out and we're closing parks. And, and I remember calling my friend and saying, I don't think I can do this. Oh my God! Yeah. I, I live alone. Uh, I, I'm just gonna be in my house. What the heck? And um, I quickly um, started walk like everybody else in LA. Started walking in my neighborhood, uh, finding more interesting. I live in the San Pedro Port of LA. Um, we have. Uh, I am so lucky. We have hills down here, so I had hills to climb and whatnot. But I just at first thought I can't do this, and then. Like everyone else, we coped, we stayed in touch through Zoom, but once again, you know, this is where the outdoors really saved my soul. Um, Once things opened up a little, and you know, places, trails weren't off limits and whatnot, I can remember one place, two places actually, uh, a trail called the Hidden Pond Trail in the Santa Monica Mountains. You start up on the, Calabasas side of, of uh, Point Magoo State Park. And, I've never heard of this hike. Oh, I'll have to take you on it. It's a good one. It's about a 10, 11 mile loop. And you do that big hill up Sycamore Canyon to get back to your car. At any rate, I remember about two or three months into this, being on that trail with a few friends and no one else was on the trail. And I thought, oh, this feels like before times. This feels like, Yes, I can be of the city. Yes, I can be in this pandemic and doing the right things. But here I am in the wild by ourselves. This is awesome. I don't have to worry that I'm breathing on somebody or somebody's breathing yes. on me or I'm touching something. So the outdoors really gave me a sense of normalcy. It was it was a place I knew and that I went to. Another place I went to is... Um, uh off the PCT uh Pacifico Mountain there's a wonderful trail you're mostly on the PCT I don't know why nobody was on this trail during the pandemic I must have done that route oh easily 10 times because it was a place I could get to easily maybe 40 minutes north of downtown LA and um nobody was there and it was a great workout like 12 miles round trip a couple thousand feet gain. so so, I loved the outdoors before COVID. Loved it even more during this period that we're in, uh, because it just provides so much. Again, for me, because I knew these trails, it felt normal. It provided some
0: normalcy. And when the mountains and the trails were actually closed, like like March twenty twenty, April twenty twenty, even like June. And when when was that? When that was taken away from you? Did you like turn to anything else, like maybe develop a new hobby, go back to an old hobby to keep you sane during these times when you were like more indoors, like anything in particular? I know a lot of people became like, like Instagram live chefs and all that jazz. Justin, I was panicking. I was
1: absolutely panicking on a social level. And I was calling friends a lot, Zooming a lot, Zooming with my colleagues, but I was really lucky. We had decided well before the, um, the pandemic that we were gonna launch this outdoors newsletter, The Wild. Oh, wow. And Yeah, so it was just a few months before because we had done, uh, we also did the big hiking issue. And um, once COVID hit, my editor smartly said, hey, people need this more than ever. Sure, some trails are closed. tell them where they can go. Give ah. them some urban routes. Tell them to go to their local parks. Tell them what they can do in their backyards. You can birdwatch. you can. So I immediately snapped my attention to the wild and it's really become such, it is my favorite writing project ever. So I was very lucky. We launched right around June of that year. And boy, people responded immediately. More people were going outside because it's all they could do. More people wanted to know how to camp. More people wanted to know how to get permits, where to go, how to hike safely, what to do with kids. So I was off and running with this new audience and this really treasure trove of subjects that I could address in the wild.
0: This is the most perfect segue you could have gave me because that's what I wanted to talk about next. You know, I wanted to get into your inspiring work at the LA times and specifically, you know, the wild. And can you refresh my memory again, or for the people not too familiar, what exactly is the wild? And you said you launched it back in June, 2020. Was that the correct month? Correct. So the
1: wild is it's one of those newsletters that comes right to your email box. It's free. And the best part is, even though I would love for you to be an LA times subscriber, you don't have to be a subscriber to sign up. So I would just like, I can't the, you can just Google the wild sign up and it pops up and Mm -hmm. you can, um, and all you need is an email address. And basically what you see every week comes out every Thursday, you'll see just a variety of subjects. And that's the thing. So my number one goal is get people off the couch out and doing something. And my number two goal is have something for everyone. It's not just about hiking. It's also about running or it's also about the LA marathon or it's also about a 100-year-old, a swimmer who just spent her 100th, a master swimmer who just yeah. spent her 100th birthday in the pool. And it's about all these rich things that Southern California offers for the outdoors. Um, the other thing is, it also showcases some of the best stories you may have missed in the LA Times about the outdoors. Um, I did a, an experiential story about what's it like to hike the Trans Catalina Trail on a three-day backpack, stuff like wow. that so you can get i i always hope it's inspirational i always hope there's something quirky and offbeat to find i always hope that some story in there whether it's about wildlife a cool piece of gear that it resonates with readers and like i say i have a very loyal following so i welcome everyone to sign up for the wild and i welcome any suggestions you have for stories or oh i know this amazing person um the wild at la times.com
0: you can message me there you hear that just trek listeners <sighs> subscribe to the wild if you have not already what's the website la times.com slash the wild or yes yes okay.
1: and you can email me at the wild at la easy perfect. to remember
0: perfect perfect yeah and you're right it's not just about hiking it's anything outdoor inspired That's what I was drawn towards. The curation of it was just so good. I was like, wow, I'm like, not only am I discovering places new to explore, I'm learning about really epic stories in the community or like quirky things that I had no clue about. I remember, uh, I think it was The Wild a few weeks ago. It was a, is it Taft Gardens or Tanner Gardens? And I was like, what is this oasis in SoCal? Like not too far away from Ojai or Ojai. Taft,
1: Taft Gardens in Ojai. It's a very, it's kind of a small uh, gardens, but people can make reservations and go. And it is a place I had never heard of. My colleague, Jeanette Marantos, wrote about that. And it's really, you know, that's another one of those things, right? There are so many hidden gems in Southern California, so many hidden outdoor gems. Yeah.
0: You know, just discovering the LA slash SoCal, like outdoor scene, hiking scene has been Probably one of the, the dopest and coolest things I've ever discovered in my life, for sure. Oh, Has Justin, I love
1: it. Keep, keep spreading it. Keep it going because I feel exactly the same way. So um, I met my husband on a hike. I met wow. my friends that I've had for decades on hikes. I got married on a hike. I got what? married on the hike. No way. I did. I got married on the hike at, above Chantry Flat. We went in about two and a half miles, and my hikey friends came and brought a cake and whatnot. We found, uh, in fact, it was a friend of ours who got one of those, um, you know, easy marriage you can you know mail yeah. away, you know, uh, and he married us, and it was awesome. So I'm kind of wow. like all in on the hike thing.
0: <laughs> hiking elopement adventure yeah. elopement. yeah oh i should run a business that's a good idea elope on a hike you, you know it's crazy one of my crewmates her name is jennifer whale and she specializes in adventure elopements
1: oh that is okay i'm I gonna need put, to i'm gonna put you, you under
0: me. her i'll put i'll put you in con- uh, contact
1: absolutely there's a story for the wild right there
0: who knew Oh, boom! i had
1: no idea boom
0: yeah i'll send you her um just two Instagrams, Jennifer Whalen weddings and Jennifer Whaling photos. It's, she is super talented. Like The places I see she uh, brings her clients or couples are spectacular, like all over Santa Monica Mountains, some places, Angeles, you know, National Forest, San Gabriel.
1: Justin, that is so great because as somebody who was looking for a trail to get married on, um, you know, if somebody had come to me and said, hey, here are five places. I know how to do this. Oh, my God, it would have been so much easier. So that is a really neat surface service. I think everybody thinks they want to get married in Yosemite. To me, Yosemite is kind of over. I mean, I love
0: Yosemite. Yeah, sure. sure, sure there sure.
1: are so many other wild places. Oh, my God. Definitely want to talk to her.
0: Did you, did you know about the uh, Cucamonga Peak wedding that happened in the community a few months I, back? I heard about
1: this from a hiker who just randomly went and said, this is so crazy Mm -hmm. that I was hiking and I got to the peak and somebody was getting married. And I was just like, wow.
0: I interviewed them on a IG Live. It was uh, Disco Loco and Nature High Chick. So Michael and Vivian.
1: Oh, that is so great. That is, I I can't think of a better place.
0: You're gonna love this. Imagine this visual, Mary so after they got married and they did the vows and everything and they're walking down the aisle the aisle was actually all of their friends taking their hiking poles in the air Oh, it was a trekking pole aisle (laughs) oh my god i have to write about this okay we're gonna talk about
1: this later that is awesome
0: it was uh, i'll show you some of the photos from that day like that's why i had to interview them for an ig live i was like this is this is too special and unique not to highlight. Like, when is this going to happen again, you know? So
1: wait, you were invited to the wedding or you happened to be on the peak that day? I,
0: I was invited, but I was not available, available to make it that day. But I saw all the content, a lot of musical uh, friends gotcha. uh, attended. Yeah.
1: Oh, that is so great. You know, that's, I have this thing about, I call it the extraordinary and the everyday, just mm-hmm. out of sight, right? People are doing amazing things all around us amazing things, inventive things, inspirational things. If we just kind of take the time, open our eyes a little and look.
0: That's a great story. Look and just put yourself out there in the outdoors. On a local trail, on a peak, you'll be shocked what the universe will give you, especially Mother Nature. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So you've done a ton of hiking and exploring all over Southern California. Mary, I would love to know what your top three hikes in LA slash SoCal are, and why each is a favorite for you.
1: Oh, this is so hard. People ask me all the time, what's your favorite hike? That's usually their first question. The second question is, will you take me? And I usually <laughs> say yes, because mm-hmm. I want everybody to have a great trail experience. Okay, so I'm going to do an easy, a moderate, and a hard. Gotcha. So, We'll start with the easy, which is good for newbies. And I've already talked about Griffith Park. I think every Angelino, every self respecting Angelino, should hike to Mount Lee. Mount Lee is the mountain where the Hollywood letters are on. It is our biggest landmark, and it is such a unique view. While the hiking may seem, you know, okay, I'm on a wide fire road, it's not the most inspirational. Um, Once you get there, you are staring down on the letters. And it's pretty exciting because not only are you staring down at the letters, but you see just how big they are. Those are 150 foot letters. So, you know, this to me is the coolest way to see our biggest landmark, but shift your gaze out and you're looking down on, I mean, if you have never been there, you would never know it. You're looking down on the reservoir um, Mount Hollywood Reservoir, I guess it's called. Yes. It is down in the, you know, Toluca Lake LA border area and it's just beautiful. So now you're looking down on hillsides with houses, but you're also looking down on this beautiful body of water. Often, in the distance, you will see maybe the cityscape of like Century City and whatnot and other landmarks in the city. But it's just one of the coolest views And I just think everybody should do it. And then when you get good at it, you will bring other people with you. You know, out-of-town visitors, way better than going to Disneyland. Go to the Hollywood sign. That hike is about six miles round trip. And I would say 1,500 to 2,000 feet a game. So anybody who feels, you know, who walks and feels a little bit fit should be just fine on that hike.
0: What a great recommendation. Like, because most people, they say, oh, let's do the Hollywood sign hike. But it only, the trail usually they know about goes to the front, like way below it. Yes. Not behind it, not behind, I I always like saying this when you do Mount Lee, you're behind the scene, behind the Hollywood scene.
1: Oh, that's a good, I like that, behind the scenes at the Hollywood scene, I like it. It's a good good sales pitch. Um, My moderate hike, and it can be a varying length, would be Castro Crest in the Santa Monica Mountains. This is, it's a drive up. You can drive right to this particular area of the crest. Um, It's in Malibu area. Um, And it is like no other place, beautiful sandstone formations. You'll think you're in the Southwest, Uh, crazy little caves. And this is also part of our, our much loved backbone trail which is our only through hike in the LA area. I mean, we have the PCT and bigger trails up in the Angeles, but um, so it's about 63 miles long. So you can walk on a portion of the backbone trail and you can start at this point and you can head on, it's a dirt road called Bulldog. You could walk all the way to what we call the old MASH TV site in the Santa Monica mountains and back or you can go in the other direction, go along the coast. Um, has a lot of up and down. You can do seven miles, you can do 10 miles, you can, if you really wanted to make a big loop, you could do 16 miles. That's that would be quite the day hike. Wow. But to me, it's a beautiful area to explore. And the best part is you can kind of once you're at Castro Crest and you can find this online easily or on a map. Um, you can go in either direction from there and do a really nice out and back hike. And you'll see the ocean. You'll see the interior Santa Monica's. It's kind of got all that wow factors going on. My hard hike is a hike you and I have discussed. It's Mount Baldy.
0: Yes. It's in our
1: backyard. It's covered in highest, snow right now. <laughs> covered in snow. So you don't want to go now unless you're a super experienced mountaineer. Um, Mount Baldy's awesome. I love it because it is the highest point in LA County that kind of straddles that LA, San Bernardino County uh, <clears throat> line. There are a lot of different ways to go. The most direct route is to go up and follow kind of the fire road. And um, you go up what I call the face of Baldy. There is also a back way you can go. This is a suffer fast. I mean, it is a hard hike. It is unforgiving. You're climbing at least, uh, I guess, I think it's 4,000 feet again. gain. Correct. Uh, and you get to the top, you know, and there is a point where you leave trees behind, not that it's super densely forested, but you leave the Manzanita, you leave everything. Now you are rocks, you are, it's like you're on the moon. When you get to the top of Baldi, oh my God, you look into the desert, you, the 360 degree views are amazing. It's 10,050 feet, so you are at elevation. I always recommend that people do at least some hiking in the 8,000-foot range to kind of get ready for Baldy. And you know what? If you get a headache or you start to feel sick to your stomach and it happens, go down. The mountain will be there. You'll come back another time uh, because altitude sickness can really make you feel
0: icky. So those... Those are my picks. What would you say is your favorite route doing Mount Baldy? Because there's so many routes to reach that iconic summit.
1: Okay, I really love, it's, it's the hardest and one of the steepest ways is from what we call the village. And I don't usually come down that way. Usually I've gone with somebody and we've dropped a car. So you go out of Mount Baldy village and through, I think it's Bear Canyon, Oh, uh, yes, Bear Canyon, yes. Yeah, it's steep, but it is just, I've been there when wildflowers are blooming, like in July. It is just beautiful. And then, um, and then what I like about this route is you kind of, well, I say gently, you kind of gently with switchbacks wind your way to the top. Um, going that way, I usually come down via the, um, the ski resort. So I would stop at the lodge and have something to eat or, would, you know, or drink, which is so great. They're almost always open on weekends. And yes. I think sometimes midweek in summer. Um, so that makes just a really nice, you go up uh, and then you come down a different way. So you kind of get the whole view. But that is really for people who are trained up. I think it's 5,000 feet of gain because it's a little bit steeper. Uh, so you're, you're really working hard there.
0: That's actually one of my favorite routes in all of SoCal. And it's interesting and very cool that you called it, you referred to it as the village, because I knew it as the Old Mount Baldy Trail, Bear Canyon. So I was like, what's the oh, village? Oh, interesting.
1: Well, I, call, I don't know why I call it the village route, because you start in the village.
0: I, I like that. That's, yeah, because you're going through the village and all the cabins. and You're like, oh, where am I? And right. then all of a sudden, it's a suffer fest.
1: Yes, yes. But in a great way.
0: Yes, in a when way. You get.
1: When you get to hike a lot, you kind of like that Sufferfest quality.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I love, especially watching people suffer going up the mountain too. It's just, it's the funnest thing. <laughs> yeah. And once again, opportunity to bond. Yeah. Be, uh, my crewmate said the uh, the harder the challenge, the stronger the bond becomes. I agree with that. Actually. I yeah. agree with that. Shout outs to Just Jet for that. And, um, You know what I really love about the village route or the Bear Canyon route? There's that section called the Narrows. Yes. Oh my God. It's so. It's the
1: best. Yes, it is. Okay, that's the part where I really feel like I know what it's like to walk on the moon. Not Mm -hmm. because I'm zero gravity, but because you are just in this little, you're just clipping along and there's nothing else. And it's, it's just so remote, so rugged. Oh, I love that
0: speaking of uh hiking on the moon you know what other part of mount baldy gives me that exact feeling tell me going up to mount Harwood from the devil's backbone oh yes have you done that
1: one i have um people people get a little afraid on the devil's backbone and i get that i had fears when i started because it's very narrow Mm -hmm, And you're mm -hmm. kind of, you kind of have to watch the other way to see if a hiker's coming. But yeah, that also has that same quality.
0: I feel like we could talk about Mount Baldy all day. There's just so many things I love about it. I love it. And I think one of the coolest things too, just to close the loop on um, your top three hikes, recommendations in SoCal are, I think what blows my mind away right now is that you can experience mountaineering at Mount Baldy at this time of the year, once it's all, all the snow is all settled like with the ice ax and crampons and really train and have that kind of experience before you go into like the Eastern Sierras.
1: Oh, absolutely. I would say the same of, you know, the big San Bernardino peaks, Gorgonio uh, yes, and yes. whatnot. Um, however, a big caveat, you really have to have that skill level yes. to know what you're doing. I mean, you really have to know how to use an ice ax. You really have to know how to use crampons. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it really is kind of a winter wonderland for folks who do that me i'm a wimpy snowshoer so i love snowshoeing and this actually is a good time there's a couple of inches i hope it doesn't get warm i'm hoping to get out this weekend and you know just clomp around in the snow i saw some photos on facebook oh my goodness mount lowe is covered in snow that's a low elevation peak oh mount lowe's already covered in snow Oh my God, I saw pictures from friends saying, oh, we're out here on Mount Lowe, it's awesome. And it looked like it had a few inches. Yeah.
0: It's crazy when the lower peaks of the San Gabriels are dusted with snow. You're like, oh, this oh. was a major storm. Okay.
1: Exactly. Happy to have the rain, happy to have the snow.
0: Oh, absolutely. So from your decades of hiking experience, I would love for you to provide the Just Check listeners with uh, tips and advice for like uh, challenging long day hikes, you know, something like what we were discussing, like tackling a Mount Baldy, maybe like a San Gregorio or a Cucamonga Peak, like what are some tips and advice you can share that have greatly helped you out that you can give out to the rest of the trekking community? Oh my God, Justin, we could talk forever. So
1: I love and the wild, we really focus on the inspiration and the excitement of exploring the outdoors. Um safety, safety, safety is a huge factor. So my tips are going to be a little safety oriented. So one of the things I would say is I've always had really good luck going with groups, um, whether it's a private group of my friends, whether it's an organized group like Just Treks, Sierra Club, whatever. Um, I think that you have more resources when you're with other people. Maybe there's a, really, a person who really knows how to navigate. Well, mm-hmm. certainly, mm-hmm. Um, I talked about Sierra Club hikes because that's kind of what I know. These people are all trained volunteers. So I feel very confident when I go on one of their trips. Uh, you certainly don't want to go with a group who maybe likes to go faster than you and will leave you in the dust. And then you have to navigate on your own. That would be a bad thing. But So I would say go with a group. Um, It's not good to go out soloing on your own, particularly on a long day hike. And the other thing I always tell people, because I do love just going out with friends, right? Especially if it's spontaneous, is that friend that you're going out with, say you're going to go do Baldy or Mount Lowe, whatever, that person is your rescuer and vice versa. If anything happens to you, are they going to be hysterical? Do they know basic first aid? Do they know how to contact whatever emergency resources you need? So, I will give you an example, and it, it is one I am pained to tell you. I took a, in October, I took a group of my colleagues from the LA Times on a hike in Griffith Park, and one of the participants broke her foot.
0: Oh, no. At the
1: time, I thought it was just a sprain. I immediately knew what to do because I knew the park so well. I knew that very painfully, she would have to, you know, we gave her poles. She would have to get out to one of the main roads, which we did. And I knew who to call to have her evacuated. The rangers came and evacuated her and the rest of us got down. And unfortunately, it was a break. Fortunately, she didn't need surgery. But that's a situation where I, as the leader, knew closest place where they could get to us, easiest way and quickest way to get her evacuated, uh, and who to call in an emergency. So Mm. those are things. So when you're going out with your friend, you know, maybe you just fall and you've got this really bloody wound that won't heal, or maybe you fall and bang your head. Is that friend pretty experienced? Do they know what to do? Have they had the basics? So I kind of, and I tell people that when we go out, you know, any one of you could be my rescuer. If I kill over from a heart attack or something, I hope to God you know what to do. So one of the tips is when you go, go with a group, go with some experienced people and always be thinking about where am I going? You know, who am I going to call in an emergency, you know, if this happens? Second, and this also comes from my training, and this really goes against the, I love the ultralight stuff where you carry next to nothing and you go into the mountains because it feels so good not to be weighed down. But my training with Sierra Club was, especially on a long day hike, you pack as if you're going to be stuck out overnight. So you have everything in your pack, and everybody can Google the ten essentials. They're a little different for people, you know. You'll find little discrepancies, but mostly it's the basics. You know, extra water, extra food, headlamp, flashlights for sure, extra batteries, extra bulb, all all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always have a um, an emergency blanket in case I do need to spend the night out. Um, you never know and and just that little bit you know a little mylar blanket can help you. I have had emergencies in in the back country, so you know it 's not something that doesn 't happen. Um, so I would say, be as prepared as you can. I personally think one of the worst feelings in the world is running out of food or running out of water that 's just the basics because now you 're starting to bonk you 've been out there all day you 've done maybe twelve miles you 've got three more to go and they don't need to be miserable if you planned right. So, you know, really think about what you're putting in your pack. Yeah, it's gonna be heavy, but so what? You get more training and, and you know, exactly. that way you have more, you know, I always feel like, okay, I'm carrying a gallon of water today at Baldy. This will make me stronger. Um, so I, I really urge people to think about, you know, how they're packing, what they're packing. Third thing, oh my god, navigation. I still find navigation challenging. Friends who hike with me will always say, oh yeah, we did manage to add two to four miles onto our 12-mile hike because maybe I've taken a wrong turn or maybe I thought I knew where I was going. Um, The trail apps that you can download onto your phone are great, but you really need to know how to use them. when this is getting a little bit into the weeds, but like on all trails around Gaia, you can filter the maps. And I've hiked with friends who had like old USGS maps and they kept saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, there's supposed to be a trail. I'm like, you know what, that trail went away 40 years ago. There's no trail that, you know, we're not, (laughs) we're not turning off. There's no turn off. And So it really depends on what you have, um, you know, what you're navigating with. And then I hate to sound super old school, people, for God's sake, bring a paper map in case your phone fails. I mean, just have a Tom Harris map, which are like regional simple maps that will show you peaks and trails. They're not super detailed. They won't track you like all trails. But I still carry a paper map wherever I go because I feel like, I could get into trouble here. Um, As you are out and hiking more, either as a group or, yeah, I go on my own sometimes. um, I More and more, I think those um, safety devices, like an inReach or Spot or uh, Garmin has some, a safety Mm -hmm. device, which basically is like a sat phone where you can send an emergency message. Um, It's pretty easy to get into trouble. Um, anything can happen to anyone. I have broken my ankle in the outback and had search and rescue come for me. I have broken a wrist. I managed to hike out. I've broken my shoulder. So um, you never know what's going to happen, even the most experienced person. So um, those are just some of the tips. And then, of course, let's go to the happy part. Have fun with this. How many times have I like whipped out my little especially with new people whipped out my little um backpacking stove on a cold day and boiled water and made tea for all of us or instant coffee and people are like this is amazing i'm freezing up here and i'm like oh it's so easy and really a backpacking stove and a little bucket doesn't weigh that much and so you can be the hero you can make soup you can have a hot meal on the trail oh my god that's like kind of awesome again Trails like Mount Lowe, which are very high, very close by um, and not that high up, can be really cold in winter. Uh, so those are just like fun, nice little treats. I know everybody thinks about treats as like, oh, I'm going to get my favorite chocolate bar or my favorite goo flavor. But I think about it as like comfort stuff. And, um, I, and plus, I like introducing gear to newbies as well. Mm. They're like, Oh, let me see this little backpack. How does it work? What does it do? So those are my tips. Pretty basic.
0: Yeah. You know what I love a lot and appreciate uh, you providing these uh, tips and advice. It's getting back to the fundamentals, right? Yes. Because that's the foundation of hiking and exploring. Like that was a great reminder to myself and other leads or, whether they're group leads or individuals who organize group hikes, like, hey, when you bring these people out, you got to be as ready as possible. Because even bringing people out to somewhere like Griffith Park, what happens if someone rolls their ankle, then it breaks it? Like, you already knew the protocol. So thank you for that reminder of, you know, taking the extra step, you know, to do uh, research on oh, what yeah. you should do. And especially like, you know, this inspires me. And I'm sure maybe many other people listening, you know, like, At some point, take a wilderness course, you know, get familiar with how to, you know, help people if something happens.
1: That is, I I can't underscore that enough. And, you know, you don't want to dwell on the the negative side, the Mm. what could, but being prepared is just makes all the difference. I'll tell you another, our favorite trail, the Mission Aqua Trail, I was there doing, I told you, Six Peaks, the little sextet. And right around, we were doing six peaks in that area, right around peak four, I fell hard on a rock with a little ridge on it. Anyway, split open my shin. It was bleeding bleeding a lot, put a ton of bandages on it. Um, But I wanted to do the last two peaks. So I did the last two peaks before I drove down. And things for people to know, the closest clinic was a little clinic in Malibu on PCH, that by the way, doesn't take insurance, have your credit card ready. That is the only place for miles. And they stitched me up. I needed like 10 stitches. So, you know, I knew immediately when I was coming off that trail, okay, I know exactly where I'm going. I know it's the only place around. I suppose you could go out the Calabasas side and go to an ER out that way, but I'm closer to the Malibu side. So that was the closest place. They got me in there. They cleaned the wound. They stitched me up. So it, it really is good. You, you need to know in advance uh, as opposed to, Oh my God, what do I do now? I got back to my car. How do I get help? Or what do I do?
0: Thank you for reminding and bestowing <laughs> this wisdom again. No, you're like, you're making me want to be sharper about my hiking game and, uh, organizing.
1: Yeah. And as an aside, because this is also has happened to me quite a bit. You never know when you're going to be pulled into someone else's rescue. So often I've come upon people that were, Oh, hypoglycemic, you know, all uh, hypoglycemic, all kinds of stuff. I remember, Oh my God, I will never forget this guy in my life. I was on Baldy, uh, midway up, and he just had horrible. He was writhing, screaming in pain on the trail. Horrible, horrible leg cramps. And there wasn't much I could do except be with him. Um, I think he had some salt tablets or something, and mm-hmm. I encouraged him to drink that. Eventually, they subsided. But man, this guy was in rough shape, and he was by himself. Oh, so no. you know, you never know when you're going to become part of someone else's help rescue whatever you want to
0: call it yeah i remember when i was hosting like group hikes to um you know the major peaks you know like the the seven peaks or the six pack of peaks challenge you know like the right Manga ontario peaks etc cetera, etc cetera. i would bring so much stuff because i was like well if i'm the lead and i'm organizing i need to bring extra stuff just in case and there's been countless occasions where bringing something as simple as extra like liquid iv salt tablets or like oh justin extra absolutely. water this crazy first aid kit, extra trekking poles, like the whole nine yards. Everyone's always like, what are you carrying? I'm like, look, you might need this stuff in my backpack. So leave me alone.
1: (laughs) Justin, you are the gold standard. That is exactly right. And that's what I kind of, you know, the whole ultralight thing kind of bugs me because people don't want to carry all this stuff, right? Sure. But I'm with you. I, I often on group hikes, I'll carry extra water especially on a really hot day and invariably and people feel terrible oh my god, I don't want to take your what I'm like, please you know and yeah. and we share and, and whatever it takes. So you know these are these are really responsible things um, One thing I'll just mention it here because I've heard varying stories. I know a lot of people I put my hikes on meetup Sierra Club puts their hikes on meetup a lot of hiking groups do. Yes. some meetup groups, however, I've heard you know, there isn't kind of a um, across the board rules for everyone. I've heard people who were left behind, who didn't know where they were, who couldn't keep up and kind of felt like the leader wasn't leading them. So, Mm. you know, I just want people to really be ethical. I mean, I kind of feel like if I'm taking someone out, that means I'm kind of responsible for them. I'm showing them something and, you know, maybe they're slower than me, maybe they're faster than me, whatever the issue is, um, kind of address it and and keep it in mind
0: and just be responsible for others. Yeah, take care of others on the trails. I'm really glad that we're really hammering home like, uh, you know, the whole safety thing because that can't be stressed enough because we want to, it empowers us to enjoy the outdoors, you know, more, you know, more confidently, I would say. (laughs)
1: And I'm just going to add this, and I won't get into my soapbox, but I think people have this misinformation like, well, there's rangers and they're there to rescue me. Absolutely not. The ranger's (laughs) job is not to rescue you. They are managing the wilderness. They are doing all kinds of other things. However, if you get into trouble and you are lucky enough to contact a ranger or an emergency service, there are these wonderful unbelievable people who train really hard and they are on search and rescue teams and they go out and they save your butt. So, you know, rangers aren't there like, I'll just call a ranger if I get into trouble. That's not how anybody should be thinking. And if you get into really bad trouble, um, then it's a search and rescue situation and nobody wants that. Okay. I'll shut up about safety now.
0: Oh, no, you're good. You, you bring up a good point. It's like, if you depend on the rangers out there, they're usually not accessible during that time that whatever situation happened, happened, right?
1: Right. And it's really <laughs> not their job to spend sure. all day rescuing hikers. They got way
0: more stuff to do. They have land management to do. So check it out, Mary. I want to jump out of SoCal for a moment. Sure. And I want to bring us to the Eastern Sierras. Yay! Yay! So I saw that you did Mount Whitney this year, and for those uh, listeners not too familiar, Mount Whitney is the tallest mountain in the, conti- in the continental United States or the lower 48 states at, what is it, 14,000, like five hundred four, depending on right. who you ask. Right. right? So yes. when I did more research on you, you apparently have been doing Mount Whitney since 1991, like almost every year. So you've like, what, done Whitney like at least 15, 20 times or something like that? Yes. Yes. It is a
1: personal obsession and one I can't particularly explain except I love this peak. This is another one of those things I think every Californian should stand at the top of Mount Whitney and stare into the heart of the Sierra. It is so remarkable. It is like nothing you will have ever seen. And there are other 14ers in the area, but I just happen to like this peak. I will tell you that Mount Whitney is a wilderness area and it is managed as a wilderness area. And for those of you who don't know, you know, the wonderful Wilderness Act, there are designated areas. And generally it means it is a place where you cannot see the hand of man, which maybe and women, people. Um, so what that means is no motorized anything, mm-hmm. no, no bicycles, no stroller, no... Nothing like that. It is a place that is managed as wilderness. That said, the main Mount Whitney Trail, which is the most popular route I have done, I have never done the Mountaineers route, um, is like the 405 freeway. People can't (laughs) get enough of this peak. So sometimes I've gone alone and I am never alone because there are always, so now they regulate it. When I started hiking Mount Whitney, there was no need for permit. Now you have to get a permit. Um, and there is a lottery every year that starts in February, and you can Google Mount Whitney and USFS in your national forest, and you will see everything you need to know about how to get a permit on, on Mount Whitney. If you don't succeed in the first lottery, there's a second lottery. It's kind of a complicated process, but it works. It is. Um, and I just love that peak. Um, I know the trail very well. I've sometimes done it as a day hike, which I know you have done, which is 22 miles, 6,000 feet of gain at elevation, meaning you're starting at like 9,600 feet. I mean, this is the hardest of the hard uh, when it comes to the Sierra, Uh, barring any, you know, truly mountaineering and you're climbing spires. Sure, sure. So it's a a tough, tough trail. Um, Last couple of years, I have backpacked it, and um, it's just wonderful. Uh, There is a... Particularly suffering, punishing area called the 99 switchbacks. And, you know, yeah. everybody says, Oh, I'm going to count them. Well, you know, you can barely hold on to your brain because you're around 12,000 feet at trail camp and you're just going up these switchbacks and you never you think your life is over. And then you get to an area called Trail Crest at about 13.5 and you look out and you see guitar lake and you start Mm. to see the peaks and it is truly amazing. So I love this peak. I have done it just about every year for the last 30 years. So that, you know, um, I have hiked Whitney quite a bit. And last year I had a standout experience. I'll just tell you, um, I was coming off the, I had been on the peak. I was interviewing some people for a story. You're always working. This was not a work assignment, but I was out there having fun. I was coming off the peak and a woman flagged me down and said, are you the LA Times reporter? And I thought, oh no, all I want to do is go down and get back to my tent. And I thought, I'll just tell her to call me. She goes, I have a story for you. I was like, oh. So she said, you have to meet my friend Jack. I was descending probably within half a mile of the peak. I caught up with Jack. Uh, Jack was kind enough. We kind of crouched on one of those little outcroppings right near where um, the trail to Guitar Lake goes down. At any rate, we were crouched. I took out my iPhone. I said, tell me your story. His name was Jack Ryan Greener. His story was this, he was 25 years old at the time. Uh, His story was this, about a year and a half earlier, he had suffered a major neck injury, major spinal cord injury. He was quadriplegic, which meant he was paralyzed from the neck down. He could wiggle his big toe when he started therapy. And when he started his very long and arduous journey to walk again, motor skills, you know, just to recover. And that whole time, all he was thinking of was hiking up Mount Whitney. And I gotta uh, tell you, in, on my little iP- iPhone interview, you can hear me softly crying in the background. Um, I was just so amazed by him and his team that made it, he had like four or five friends. They loved him, they were so patient with him. Uh, When I saw Jack, he was very tired, so his gait was very labored. One of his legs wasn't working so well, and um, we were on our way down, and I met him again. We stayed at the same camp, at trail camp, and I just thought to myself, I have to write this man's story, and um, I pitched it to my editors, and it wound up on page one, five columns over six, and people really responded to his story. I thought I think about Jack all the time now when I'm doing something hard, because all of this is so much harder for him. Mm -hmm. And I also think about what we were talking about finding the extraordinary in the everyday. You know, he didn't have a media crew. He didn't. We just bumped into each other. Um, He didn't. He wasn't looking for glory or anything. He he did have uh, friends filming him so they could document that he accomplished this but um, it was just wonderful to be part of his story and to be able to tell his story.
0: Unreal, unreal. Yes, I remember you promoting that story in the wild of uh, a couple of months back, right? Yes, yep and there's a name for the documentary right it's like paralyzed yes,
1: paralyzed to peaks is yeah. is jack's uh foundation that he started his journey that he started and he's really in this guy's amazing he's been adaptive he's been climbing in yosemite uh he's on the u.s adaptive climbing team so you know, every day he deals with his limitations, but every day he's breaking barriers and, and um, being the athlete that he was always on track to be. This guy's incredible. He had, like, and that's another thing that uh, when I think about Whitney and I also like marathons, when I think about marathons, it really is mental. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. your body only takes you so far. And I really recognize that when I was with Jack the mental tenacity, you have to know that you're going to make it. You have to self-talk, tell yourself you're okay, tell yourself that you're going to do this. Uh, and to me, that's, that was one of the biggest lessons that hiking taught me. And that's a life lesson, right? Anything you need to get through. Mm-hmm. Mentally, you have to tell yourself, I can do this.
0: Yes, it builds that mental fortitude, mental willpower, mental tenacity. I love everything you just said. And I just love talking about Whitney. It's just, it's a special place. It really is.
1: Isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, my God. I've been up there in lightning storms. I've been up there in snow. I've been up there in all kinds of crazy. And I I just love that peak. And I got to tell you, that last two and a half miles uh, to the summit is kind of scary. It's oh, very yes. narrow, it's very rocky. There are what I call keyholes where mm-hmm. there are drop offs mm-hmm. on both sides and you're looking down on a bunch of scree and, and a lot of, um, but it is just so amazing. And then you get to the top and everybody there is so excited to be there. Maybe a few people are sick and not feeling great but they're even excited.
0: It, it's just this, just this wonderful, wonderful feeling. Trail Crest, that last 1.9 oh, miles to the summit, oh. is the longest 1.9 miles to the summit. But I will tell you this, that was my introduction to the Eastern Sierras doing Mount Whitney in 2019. When I got up to Trail Crest and I was trekking that section, I'd never seen something more dramatic in my life, like the glacier lakes down below. Yes. I felt like I was in like Mordor and like the Lord of the Rings, like at the side of the mountain. Absolutely, photos just don't do that trail justice. So you're getting these amazing views
1: and underfoot, you're on this like scrappy, shale, rocky stuff. And you're like, is this even a trail? But thank God there's a million other people doing the same thing. So you're like, okay, I must be on the right track. Yeah,
0: it's just incredible. You're not going to believe this, but... (laughs) When I did Whitney, it was the longest day of my life. A girl in my group got injured going down the 99 switchback. Oh, no. Stuck on the mountain for 22.5 hours. <gasps> did they have to do a rescue? Yes. It was. I actually interviewed this girl. She was episode 12 on the podcast. It was wild. Okay, I'm going to go back and listen. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That, see, see what I mean? Things exactly. can happen.
1: And there's always that thing, you know, you get to the summit, you're only half done. You gotta get down. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can't you go, be sloppy.
0: Up. Yeah, yeah. you
1: can't be sloppy or complacent or think, oh man, I got this. No, you've got a long way to go down.
0: And the girl whose uh, permit we were on, she got the Garmin, thank God, the Garmin SOS device, three weeks you prior go. to the Mount Whitney Summit, or else we would have been screwed.
1: Wow, there you go. Yeah. Oh my God, how, how wonderful that you stayed with her. Yeah. How wonderful that, I'm hoping she's okay. Yes.
0: Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Did they have to evacuate her by helicopter?
0: Yeah. So um, wow. we, she she injured. She dislocated her knee at the the cable section of the 99 switch. I know exactly where you mean. And so we somehow she got down to trail camp, which is where we wanted to bring her so that there's at least a community of people. There you go. Help us, right?
1: Smart move, smart move.
0: And so that's exactly what happened. The trail camp people adopted us. And then um, we finally got confirmation that the helicopter uh, would be able to come, but it was until like three hours later. So we lost so much daylight, but they could only pick up the injured party and not me and my other friend. I was like, no. That
1: that is such a good message for everyone. Should you be in an emergency situation and there's a rescue, they're only rescuing the victim, people. They're not giving you a free ride. I have had that happen to me so many times.
0: So good point, Justin. It was like a movie, Mary, like the, the people at trail camp were like, okay, helicopters confirmed. You got one hour of daylight left, get off the mountain. And I was like, Jeez. I felt like I was in a movie. I was like, oh God, okay, we got to hightail it down. And we hiked in the dark for like three, four hours. I'm like, dear God, am I going to get off this mountain?
1: Exactly. Oh, my God. I totally feel your pain. I totally get that. And just so people know, it's difficult for um, helicopters. There's a lot of wind incidents and in the thin air to yes. land up at Whitney area. So conditions really have to be right. And the person really needs to be evacuated before they will send that kind of um, that kind of help. It's not just something, you know, you press the button and people come. So you did all the right
0: things. You did all the right things. And again, the wisdom of the group, it helps. No, thank you. I learned a lot that day for sure. And also just on a lighthearted note, um, since we're talking about trail camp, can we just say that sunrise at trail camp was one of the most majestic things I've seen in my life?
1: It's the best. Um, often, in fact, I went with my nephew a few years ago, and he was just like he meditates, and that was his thing. He was gonna get up, start his meditation, and be ready for sunrise. And 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 the sunsets. I mean, it it really is spectacular. I have to jump in, Justin, because I have guided a lot of folks up. Whitney, just friends. One thing I've had to teach them in, not observing, but teach them verbally, is how to use a poop bag. And Whitney is wag one bag. of the places where wag bags, poop bags, whatever you want to call them, is required. I think it's a great idea because it's a highly trafficked area. And the area can't sustain everybody's waste and digging holes and all mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, Learning, it's not that hard, but learning to use a poop bag is required if you want to do Whitney. And just so people know, you have to pack it out as well. So the longer you're on the mountain, the more you have. And then when you come down, you dispose of it in a hazardous
0: waste um,
1: uh, container that they have at the base. Just figured I'd let
0: people know what they're up against. Yeah, I mean, that's very characteristic of the Mount Whitney hike, the wag bag. I think it's hilarious when, like, you see the wag bag just hanging off someone's backpack and you're like, oh, we know what that is. Yes, yes. I feel like we could talk about Mount Whitney forever. (laughs) It's It's my obsession. It's a good obsession, the best obsession to have. Real quick, with your most recent Mount Whitney summit this year, How did it feel to reach the top this year in comparison to previous years, would you say?
1: You know, every year is different. Um, This year, you know, and and really, I got to tell you, yes, it's fabulous to get to the top. I'm always kind of self-checking, like, how am I feeling? Like, my big thing about Whitney is I want to get up there and I want to feel great. I don't want to feel like crap. I don't want to feel like, oh, my stomach's turning. I can't eat. I want to feel great. I want to really take it in. So fortunately, I had a good trail experience. While I was up there, and I I used this in the wild, there was a couple, two people, or they were friends, I shouldn't call them a couple, who took out their traditional Vietnamese tunics and put those tunics on for their summit photo. I was so taken aback by that, I thought, how wonderful that they wanted to make this cultural statement. And, you know, they had the tunics in their backpacks. They looked adorable. Um, so, of course, I took photos and took their names and identified myself as a reporter. So every year is different. Um, that was a pretty special special thing yeah. to witness. Um, so I saw I that think... photo.
0: I saw that photo. I was like, what yeah. is going on right now? Yeah.
1: Like, and and then I thought, wow, I should bring like a gown next time and put on a gown, an evening gown and have my picture taken. One of the phenomena I've noticed over the years and, and every once in a while I'll see on Facebook people who are placing them is we seem to have these gorgeous peak signs suddenly. That didn't used to be a thing. So now you have this beautiful Mount Whitney sign to hold up. In fact, there were two or three of them. And I've been seeing on Facebook people saying, oh, I just put some signs on Cucamonga. Oh, I left a sign on Mount Wilson. And whoever's doing that, and I should probably do a story, and I think there are several groups. It's Mm -hmm. fabulous. It's just so fun.
0: I like that you say that because, you know, there's also the opinion, right, that, oh, people are leaving trash up there. But, you know, I feel like these peaks mean so much to people that for them to hold a sign up, just like, it's like a spiritual thing almost, you know?
1: Yeah, and it gives you, you know, okay, we live in the Instagram moment, right? So that's the perfect, you know, perfect thing to hold up. I I kind of think it's nice. Yeah. Um, also, I kind of like it when I'm, you know, scrolling through my Insta or whatever, I can see immediately what pe- people are on. I don't have to guess, and they've got the little sign up.
0: I don't know, I kind of like it. No, yeah, no, I, I, I personally like it. Um, you're so lucky that you had that Mount Whitney sign. That's an epic plaque that you held up. I had like a rinky-dink sign.
1: <laughs> oh, there were three of them on the day oh I went. Oh, my God, I'm was jealous. Like, this was a laser-etched metal sign. It kind of weighed a bit, um, wow. but it was beautiful. And it said on the back who had donated, who had made it. And uh, it was really beautiful. So, yeah, I was very lucky.
0: I'm going to Photoshop that sign into Oops. my... Uh... I'm going to Photoshop that sign into my photo summit. Yeah.
1: Oh, just go back. I'll meet you up there.
0: All right. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Check it out, Mary. So I want to get back into your writing work and your specific involvement in the LA times, uh, 24 page special hiking guide entitled go hiking in LA. It was just this massive, massive content piece dedicated to hiking in LA. What was the catalyst for this being created? You know, I assume the pandemic for sure, but was there like a certain moment that really like put it into motion? Like, let's launch this. Oh, Justin, it was it was kind
1: of a dream come true for me and then a little bit of a nightmare because I am probably the most active person on staff and, and the most knowledgeable about the local outdoors. Sure. So when they came to me, when my editor came to me with this idea and she goes, Oh, we're gonna do you know a whole section, da-da-da. Again, I was excited, but I was scared. And she goes, how about you do like the 100 best hikes in L.A. And, and you write about them. And I'm like, how about I do 50, okay? <laughs> I said, I, I, I mean, my brain was just mush. I, I said, I, I think we could do 50. And she goes, okay, 50 sounds good. So the heart of that section was telling Angelinos what we thought were the 50 best hikes in L.A., Boy, that w- the hardest part for me was winnowing down and making the list and what made the cut. Now, when I go back and look at it, most of them are really hard hikes. They are not like little three-mile hikes you can go out and do in a day. But I thought, well, if, if we're going to really do this, might as well do, you know, the big spots, the San Jacintos, the Baldies, the, you know, so um, we went for it. I was very fortunate to have an outdoors writer named Matt Pollock, P A W L I K, who helped me out. He contacted me, we hadn't known each other, and I wanted to do 10 desert hikes. I didn't nice. know the desert quite as well as he did. And he goes, "Oh, I'll, you know, I'm happy to contribute 10 hikes." So he wrote that segment of it and we so we, the 50 hikes was the heart of it. Then we thought, "Okay, what trails can we pull out and really shine a light on?" I thought Echo Mountain was really special, right above Altadena. Mm -hmm. Anybody can get there, pretty accessible. And it used to be this amazing resort at the top that you would take this train to. So it had a lot of history. You could still see the remnants of the old resort. And I thought, okay, that deserves a story of its own. The bridge to nowhere has to be the best story ever. It's this crazy, beautiful span bridge that goes nowhere and um, you hike out to it. I think they still do bungee jumping off it, though I think it's only in. It. Oh, Justin, I'm so glad to hear. I didn't know if they're still doing it.
0: Yeah, awesome. I did it for my birthday. I jumped off twice for some damn reason. <laughs> did you love it? I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, I was originally just supposed to do one, and I did the jump where you jump backwards, like you're facing the bridge.
1: Oh my god.
0: And oh that was, my god. Uh, that was That's- scary. That's terrifying. But it was the second jump where that really terrified me because when you jump off the bridge, you have to put your leg over and then you're on this small red platform. And so I did the Superman front dive and you can see the rocks and the river below. And that freaked me out. And all of a sudden, they're like five, four, three. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then I jumped and then I screamed like before I jumped. So I scared everyone around me. It was a whole moment. Oh my God, Justin. Wow. I am super
1: impressed.
0: Yeah, shout so out to Ron a- and uh, AJ Ultra from Bungie America. Yay!
1: So, so we felt like that hike, right? Oh my God, just to go see the bridge is amazing. So we focused on that, focused on our backbone trail, 64 mile trail in Santa Monica's. And um, so, yeah, it was a lot to put together. It was very, we put it together probably in a little over a month. Oh my God, readers responded. Readers responded so much that we Mm -hmm. took the newsprint section and sold it in the LA Times store and it sold out twice. So it really indicated to us and also we had a lot of new subscribers. We can, you know, tell digitally who's reading us and why. Had a lot of new subscribers. People loved the hikes. And that's when we realized, Wow we are the only people, you know, kind of the only official newspaper doing this kind of outdoors reporting, this kind of outdoors writing in Southern California. Um, You know, REI has got a great website. There are other branded websites that will tell you all kinds of information, and they are good websites, but they are brand, you know, they're a company, not a newspaper. So Um, I'm so glad you enjoyed the section I still run into people on the trail who say oh my god that section was amazing and uh, indeed it it was a lot of fun it it was a lot of work but it was also a lot of fun but I was really glad we did it because in my mind it really underscored how much people love this kind of content
0: oh it's so epic I bought that piece I bought the newspaper it's a You know what? Hold on one second. Let me let me grab it. <laughs> oh, that's so great! That's so great that you have a copy. All right, hang tight, people. I have. Uh, I should have had this within reaching distance from me. <laughs> yeah.
1: There it is. There's your work, Mary. Look at that. Oh, Woo-hoo. you are so kind. You know uh, the wild right there. Yeah. So we promoted the wild in that issue. It was new-ish. And um, like I say, readers really responded. And I got to tell you, because I am very old, well, old school print journal, um, when we looked at the cover, it was just a photo. And um, some of our art designers were like, hey, let's do some really fun typographic." I'm like, on the photo? And they're like, on the photo, because <laughs> I'm just so used to, oh, pretty place. And I think it really turned out well. So that was fun.
0: Oh, yeah. It really made it pop most. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: And so, you know, I view you as this major, major advocate for the Los Angeles and Southern California outdoors. And I really want to ask you, Mary, like, what do you think makes our scene so special and different from the rest of the country, would you say? Okay, so why,
1: you know, to me, that question is like, why hike LA? Why come to LA to go hiking or trail running or Mm -hmm, mountain biking? mm -hmm. Um, Number one, it's the terrain, it's the terrain, it's the terrain. I cannot think of another city where you can drive a couple hours in different any direction, and you will be at 10,000 foot peaks, possibly with snow on them at this time of year very rugged forest, or you will be on these beautifully sculpted coastal ranges overlooking the Pacific, looking at the Channel Islands and Catalina, Yes, and just hiking along with the ocean at your side, or you will be out in the desert, which is the most mind-blowing if you are not knowledgeable about deserts. Um, when I came to the first time I went to Death Valley or Joshua Tree, I was like, "Wow, there's just so much nothing." And now I go there, and there's so much something. I mean, the desert hikes are amazing. Super easy to get lost in the desert, so make sure you know where you're going, or you have good nav skills. Um, the deserts, you know, I have covered the the super blooms, the wildflower flower wow. blooms. I mean, what an amazing time I have covered when uh, you go to Anza Borrego when the Swainsons Hawks are passing through, hundreds of them dotting the sky at sunset. It it is just like nowhere else. So those three things alone. Okay, so you got the amazing desert hikes, mm-hmm. you got the coastal hikes, you got the forest hikes in the north where you can do high elevation and you can do rock climbing and canyoneering. Now let's add the veneer of fabulous urban hiking. A lot of people are just into doing really hard stuff in their neighborhoods. One of my favorite um, my favorite uh, wild features that I did was on a guy who mapped every staircase in his Silver Lake neighborhood, timed himself running it. I think he had like a personal record of four hours and something, and then shared this very elegant route with my readers and with wow. other people online. How cool is that? So I love the idea of using the urban center as kind of a template for an adventure, for a workout, for anything extraordinary. You and I were talking, I will be on January 2nd, I will be leading what I call the Wilshire walk where you start at one Wilshire in downtown LA and you don't stop walking while well, you take breaks <laughs> until you get to Santa Monica and it's 16 miles, you see, oh my God, you see so much. You see the La Brea Tar Pits, you see the panels of the Berlin Wall that are in LA, you see LACMA, you see Rodeo Drive, and you wind up at the beach, how cool is that? So I love that we've got all the natural stuff around us, and then we have these cool little wetland parks and interior parks and rivers that you can bicycle along. I, I gotta tell you, LA has got it all.
0: The amount of diverse hiking and outdoor experiences you can have in LA and SoCal, like what you just stated is absolutely spectacular. blowing.
1: Yeah. and it is. And I'll give you on the urban front, I'll give you an example of across the board in the last couple of years, I asked people how they get into hiking because I'm always interested in knowing what makes people get started so many of them said it was the secret stairs book by charles fleming and that's how they started and they would go on group hikes and do the secret staircases and silver lake and all Mm -hmm. over the city what a funny and then they graduated to hiking and going on trails and i just think what a funny way to get started but what a great gateway into what working out feels like what going uphill feels like so I, i found that just fascinating but, again, another way to get into this world that you and I love.
0: Yeah, the urban trekking is also its own thing. It's its own thing. We have so many different parks and, like, accessible routes, like, in the city, in the city.
1: Absolutely. And then if you overlay biking on that and the Ciclavia events yes, that happen. correct. I mean, I got to tell you, there, there, is, there is no end to what you can do outdoors in L.A., Um, And I just want people to see that if they go no further than their local park with their kids, identify some cool migrating birds or ducks or whatever's going on. Hey, you know, I think back in the day, we used to think, oh, nature is something you drive to. It's Yellowstone or Yosemite. Now nature is your backyard, man. You're looking at, you know, I got a little postage stamp park here in Pedro that is on my running route. There's always a blue heron in there or a a black crowned night heron. So nature is where you find it. And it's amazing how much nature flourishes in Los Angeles. Red-tailed hawks, when I'm sitting on the freeway, I'm looking at red-tailed hawks or turkey vultures above me. So all kinds of stuff to do.
0: I love how we can just go down the street, you know, like 15 minutes, 30 minutes and have a literal adventure in our own backyard. We don't necessarily have to go to the big, big peaks. We can experience that sense of travel and adventure at like accessible parts within the city limits.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, this is, it reminds me, and I had written about this for The Wild as well. I was invited on a trash cleanup and it was a small park I hadn't been to in South LA. It wasn't known to me kind of small but what they did was they created fake wetlands. Oh wow. So it's this little wetland and then you have a walking track around it and it's landscaped and oh my god. So by the time I saw this park it had been around for five or six years. Um it had birds. It had heron. It had sage growing and it was just I'm like, "Oh, wow, a fake wetlands in South LA." where people come to like work out, do their laps, and get to see nature. It doesn't get better than that. I mean, that's pretty cool for an urban setting that didn't have any natural green space in that area. And I think it had been like an old rail yard or something like that that they used to turn into this,
0: and they figured out how to do the water thing. And how did I know about this? I remember reading this (laughs) in the wild. So kudos to you. Indeed. Thank you. I'm super excited to ask you this next question, Mary. Oh, If there was one hiking or outdoor experience you could relive all over again, what would that be for you? Okay, this is super
1: crazy, Dustin. But this was like the best week of my life. Um, My brother and I had read the book Into Thin Air. About the disaster that happened on Mount Everest, and we were kind of then, you know, and I think all of America read this, and 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 well, people around the world, and it was just so so tragic. Uh, so many people died, but it really gave you insight into Mount Everest, how difficult it is, how people are trying to do shortcuts and do it quickly, and and you know, a massive storm came, and and many lost their lives. Well, my brother and I became kind of obsessed with. Mount Everest, but we didn't have the $25,000 for the permit or the skills to go do it. So we took a week off in June and we used Mount Baldy as our Everest. And we didn't care about mileage, but we decided that we would walk the the, the miles, uh, sorry, the elevation of Mount Everest which is like 29,000 feet, 28,000 feet, something like that. So that's what we did. One week, we did the village route, which was 6,000. Then the next day was four. Then the next day was six. Then the next day was four. So by the time we did about about 20,000 or 15,000 feet of gain, we were like at day four, we were tired. And I was like, I turned to my brother and I said, Henry, I think there's an amazing snowstorm, and we're pinned in our tent. And really, all we did was sleep all day. Then we did two more hikes, and we made it to the elevation of Mount Everest, kind of a virtual Mount Everest. Friends met us there with prayer flags. It was awesome. So that was just an adventure I would do over and over again. We were just so excited to wake up every day and get higher on Everest. It was hilarious. So I kind of like these kind of um, what we would call like virtual, before we were all down with COVID and had to do virtual stuff. um, That was our virtual Mount Everest. And it was the most fun week I had
0: with my brother. Can I tell you, this is the coolest thing you've said, because (laughs) I've been promoting on the podcast ever since the beginning that Mount Baldy is our local Mount Everest in the winter yes. time? I've said that so many times. So for you to say that is kind of like this crazy full circle moment in my mind. I'm like, whoa! She really just said that. It, absolutely, it was our Everest for a week. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What a cool moment. I love it. Love yeah. It. So you you achieved that? What is it? Twenty nine thousand feet elevation Right, gain over
1: I- over like six hikes. I think it was six hikes, five or six hikes. Yeah.
0: You are a ultra peak bagger, I must say. (laughs) So guess what, Barry? Guess what? what? It is time for the rapid fire question section. Oh my
1: God, I'm terrified because this is the part I don't know. Okay. Don't be, it'll be fun. Okay.
0: So the way it works, there's two rounds. Round one is outdoor focus and then round two is more personal. So you just answer with uh, one word answers or just concise answers. Okay, I'm ready. Round one, you ready? Yep. You ready, rock steady. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. Favorite trail snack? Oh, goo. I'm a goo girl. Trail runners or hiking boots? Hiking boots. Desert or deserted island? Desert. Waterfalls or lakes? Lakes. Rock scrambling or surfing loose Scree. Oh, rock scrambling. I like how you hesitated. You're like, do I like surfing loose scree?
1: Oh, I can think of so many downhills where I surf. Yeah, I think rock scrambling.
0: Epic day hike or epic backpacking trip?
1: Epic backpacking trip.
0: Favorite camping meal?
1: Oh, um, it's like a noodles dish with tofu that I make.
0: Super yes. simple. Favorite Outdoor piece you wrote?
1: Uh, The story of Jack Ryan Greener.
0: Oh, that's incredible. The Mount Whitney piece, yeah. Favorite travel piece you wrote?
1: I kind of liked, oh, that's a hard one. I guess it goes back. I think I really liked the um, Trans Catalina Trail. Nice. Yeah.
0: It's crazy that we have like these mini islands if you want to get out of LA, right? Catalina, oh, Catalina's <laughs> Channel Islands. Wow. Yep. All right. Dawn or dusk? Dawn. Mountain lions or grizzly bears?
1: Mountain lions.
0: Taco Tuesday or Waterfall Wednesday? Waterfall Wednesday. Favorite park in LA? Besides Griffith Park?
1: I'm going to say my hometown park, uh,
0: Friendship Park. Oh, nice. I've heard of that. Up on the hill. Awesome views. Santa Monica Mountains or San Gabriel Mountains?
1: Oh, do not make me choose. It's it's happening. You got to choose. Just choose. San, San Gabriel's.
0: Okay. San Gabriel Mountains or Eastern Sierras?
1: Oh, you're killing me. Eastern Sierra.
0: It's considered uh, California's prized mountain range, right? I've read that somewhere. Yeah, it's the best. Music artist you want to hike with? Oh my God.
1: Musical artist I would want to hike with. Wow, my brain's
0: just. um, Take a moment or we can circle back to it. We'll circle back. All right, we'll circle back. Favorite piece of outdoor gear you own?
1: Oh, God, I love my tent. It's a one-person tent. I just squeeze in there. I sleep like a baby. I love my tent.
0: Awesome. National park you want to visit the most that you have not already?
1: Um, I have not been to the Everglades.
0: Mm. And I Sounds need epic. to go
1: and see that it's so different. Been to a lot of national parks, but I have not been to that one.
0: Favorite outdoor brand? It could be a local one too. doesn't have to necessarily be a major one.
1: Um, I, would, I would say REI as my, like, where I learn stuff and, and you know, really like their explainers. But I really like um, Merrill for my boots.
0: Sweet. There you yeah. go, guys. You got, a, you got a boot recommendation. Merrill.
1: They fit my feet. I'm sure others have their faves, but they fit my feet.
0: In one word, how does hiking make you feel? Transported. Oof, what an answer. What's your ideal outside temperature?
1: I love the 65 to say 72, right around there. I don't mind being a little cold. I don't like the heat. I hike in the heat, don't like the heat. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the cooler. That's why I love winter in L.A.
0: You like the uh, the light jacket kind of weather, the 65. Yeah.
1: yeah. You can always put on layers. But, man, when it's 90 degrees on Mount Baden-Powell, you can't do anything to cool
0: off. So that concludes the first round of the rapid-fire question section. We'll take a 15, 20-second break. I'm going sip to my, sip my beverage right here before we jump into round two. All right round two this is the personal more personal section you ready yep ready ready rock steady yeah favorite comfort food
1: coffee i am a coffee hound even on the trail
0: favorite holiday
1: earth day april 22nd and that's the day i got married as well
0: wow you got married on earth day Absolutely wouldn't have it any other way, right? Correct. Favorite emoji. (laughs) I know it's
1: not popular. I love the streaming, crying, hysterical emoji. You know, the one that Mm -hmm. like, I think people are saying, hey, let's get rid of this. I like that one. Because sometimes I can just use that emoji and then I start to feel whatever I'm going through lift.
0: It's a great emoji. It's classic yeah. for sure. You yes. can use it for a lot of different things.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, app you are currently using the most besides Instagram?
1: App I'm currently, I'll be honest, Wonderground, which is a weather app. Wonderground. I've never heard that. I'm I'm on that every day to check the weather. They seem to their their weather seems to be really on point. I haven't found a really good mountain weather website other than NOAA. So yeah, mm. I use Wonderground
0: every day. I'm looking at temperatures, I'm looking at air quality. Okay, I'm going to definitely look into that and download it cuz I usually mount, I usually use Mountain Forecast. I know that's not an app though. So Right, right. You have to go to the Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Duly noted. Uh, favorite superhero
1: oh god i don't know many superheroes are there any that like to climb or hike
0: i guess spider-man there you go perfect
1: (laughs) he's he's kind of an athletic kind of guy
0: yeah it's the real life alec it's the real life alex honnold there you go yeah there you go um if you could be any animal what would you be
1: well, people call me this, so I think I really would be a goat, uh, mountain goat, just because, boy, they seem to be able to just scramble to places that um, I can't get to so easily.
0: Mary, I will tell you this on the podcast. You are a SoCal mountain goat.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: And <laughs> all different facets, like you earned that title. <laughs> Decades of hiking and bagging peaks, you definitely earned SoCal mountain goat.
1: Justin, you are so kind. Thank you.
0: Cuddle with a baby panda or a baby penguin? Oh, baby penguin for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. Describe yourself in three words. Motivated, excited, exuberant. And this is the final question. Woohoo! Favorite sound? You can take a moment if you need to. This
1: is going to sound ridiculous. I think it's the empty space answer. I think it's when I'm on a peak and it is completely silent. Maybe a little bit of wind, no jets, no people yakking, nobody playing their
0: Bluetooth speakers, just quiet. Yeah. Just like this. I was trying to let the silence keep going. Uh, That's such a, that is a most, most special moment indeed. And now we're done with the rapid fire question section. That was tons of fun. Justin, you are such a good interviewer. Thank you. I have never
1: been asked those questions. Really?
0: No way. Because you're always the one asking all the questions. So for you to say that is That's true. (laughs) You're really good. Thank you. I appreciate it. So we're at the end of the episode, but before we conclude it, I love to always turn the spotlight back to the guest. Mary, do you have any final words or thoughts you wanna share with the audience, the Just Trek listeners? It could be about the outdoors or it could not, like whatever you want your final thoughts to be.
1: Um, I want everybody to feel the way I feel when I go outdoors. It doesn't have to be super hard. It doesn't have to be far away. Give this gift to yourself. It's like a gift to yourself. Go observe, go to your local park, sit quietly, I have to believe that whatever is ailing you, maybe you need some healing, maybe you're going through hard times, this will help. So my parting words are just go out and be, be in nature. You don't have to do all these amazing things that we're talking about. You can just be in it, be of it. We are all of it. And you will find it in the city. City might look like an urban jungle sometimes filled with freeways and irascible people and impossible problems to solve but there's this flip side that can really help you appreciate it and get through the rest wow. that's
0: my advice what an inspirational final thought thank you so much mary for that thanks justin so it's been such an honor having you on the podcast mary everybody mary Forgione la time slash the wild just trek podcast elevation is our recreation and that concludes this special episode thank you everybody peace out wow just trek crew just trek listeners that was such a special conversation between mary and i man i'm always going to remember this one the dynamic between us two just had so much energy because of our love for promoting the SoCal Great Outdoors that we are also blessed with here. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot or screen recording on whatever platform you are listening to and post it into your Instagram stories and tag us on just.trek. That is J-U-S-T dot T-R-E-K. Share with us a takeaway, a quote you heard, or just a favorite moment from the episode. I'd absolutely love to hear. Seeing these kind of messages and feedback just make my absolute day. All right, let's get into this outro and end this episode off proper. Thank you, gracias and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are streaming on all the major platforms. If you want to send me a message, email justtrekofficial at gmail.com or slide in my DMs on Instagram at just.trek or on my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. If you would like to support my creative endeavors, check out the merch store on justtrek.net slash shop. For more outdoor inspiration, make sure to check out our website. We have blogs, vlogs, and trip reports. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a wonderful day. And please remember to just keep on trekking.